this morning for a little bit? Yeah? I, I am too. I'm, I'm actually really pumped about this. We're doing something that I, I don't think I've really done before. Um, we've done, um, we've, uh, sometimes people ask, are you one of those churches that goes to the books of the Bible and does verse upon verse? And we'd say, yes. Or, or are you one of those churches that does topical studies? And we'll say, yes. Um, are you one who, you know, has your own series? Yes. And now, are we uh, a church that does other people's series? Uh, yes. I've never actually done a whole series by someone else. But this one, as I listened to it, and I started listening to it a few months ago, and I knew that I knew that I knew that it was something that we needed as a church. And I thought, you know what? I'm waiting until they're all here. And I see that you're all here. So uh, it's, uh, I'm, I'm glad about that. It's not by accident that you're here this morning. Um, I would encourage you. Maybe you thought, hey, I'm just going to show up. You know, I, it's I'm the one planning this. He's got you here for a reason. Maybe you're visiting with us. Glad to have you. I hope there's something um, as well this morning. Just, um, just simply... Uh, for you from him. Um, question. Have you ever had one of those moments where something you believed was true, you all of a sudden find out that it, that it wasn't, wasn't quite what you thought it was? Maybe it was an experience you remembered a certain way and then it wasn't quite that way. Uh, I've shared this story before, but about six years ago, um, my, at my daughter's first birthday party, it happened back here in the foyer, and um, we were planning it, and it was a Sunday after church, and so my wife had gone through all of this stuff to plan it, and then on Sunday morning, the, the, the gal from um, um, Sweets Corners Church, many of you know her, Angie, um, she calls up and tells us that Reese's best friend at the time, who is Kaylee, who's also one, um, she has chicken pox. And uh, she's coming to the, and she's calling to say, hey, you know, I don't think we can come to the party. And Beth said, you know, it's okay. Just bring her along. Reese needs to get exposed to chicken pox, or maybe she already was. It's all good. And I hear this phone call, and I'm like, okay? It's okay for her to come? And Beth's like looking at me like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I've never had chicken pox. You, do you have any idea what it's like, you know, to be an adult and have chicken pox? It's like terrible. You could die from it. And you just said it's okay for them to join us? I was like, this is just not going to happen. And uh, I was like, and she's like, well, I'm not calling her back. I'm not telling her she can't come. I'm just like, oh, well, fine. And I had these thoughts of I'm going to skip my first child's first birthday party. That's just it. I'm not going. And the look in Beth's eyes told me I'm a dead man if I do that. So rather than taking the instant route, I chose to go to the party and take the slow, painful way to death instead and, you know, take the chance of maybe catching chicken pox. And, and I was like grumpy. I was not a happy guy. And my parents were at this party, and my mom, she, she kind of sees that I'm just out of sorts. And she's like, what's wrong with you? It's like this is a happy thing. I'm like, that kid over there has got the plague, you know. She's got chicken pox. She's like, so? I'm like, I've never had it. Do you know what happens when adults get chicken pox? And she's like, what do you mean you've never had it? You had chicken pox when you were a baby. And I was like, I, I did? For all my life, I believed that I didn't never had it. And she's like, you, I said, how come I don't remember this? She's like, you were one. You don't remember? I'm like, no way. So for the last 30 years of my life, I've been living a certain way around people with chicken pox, just terrified that I might catch it. And I realized I never had to live that way at all. I was like, one of those moments like, oh, so it's changed the way I live. Well, not completely, but around people with chicken pox, I'll hug them now, right? Like, it's fine. I realize it's changed something about the way I live because of the thing that I now understand to be what is actually true. That may happen to you today as we talk about some, uh, some of this stuff. You may have one of those moments like, what? I did, no, I did not see, I did not think this way. Um, and, and I want to talk about this word called Christian. This is a series that uh, was done by Andy Stanley. You can find it online if you'd like. You want to go, you know, go ahead and see what we're talking about next week or the week after. You can find it on iTunes um, or on their website at yourmove.is. But he asked this question. He says, you know, if we were to ask you to define a Canadian, could you do it? What's a Canadian? No, just a person who lives in 
or who's from, right, who has Canadian citizenship. Can we define what an American is? Sure. Um, we, can define, we can define what uh, an Egyptian is. We can define what a Canadian is. But let me ask you, how would you define the word Christian? You ask for Yeah. Um, how would you define it? What are some words? Christ follower. What else? Godly. Humility. Grace. How about what's that? Believer. All good. All good definitions. How many of you have ever heard of? Um, you know, I, I think if we did this, we got you all in groups of ten and just said, "Hey, come up with definitions of, of what um, a Christian is." You'd probably come up with maybe 10 different definitions, maybe five, maybe three, but the likelihood of you all coming up with the same one is just not there. Um, because the, 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 the idea of this, this word called Christian, it's not really all that well defined. If you ask somebody on the street, are you a Christian? You'll get answers like this. Um, some would say yes. Some would say no. But you'll get more of these kind of things. Yes, but I don't really go to church anymore. Or, well, I was baptized Catholic. Um, or I was baptized Anglican, or, well, no, I'm not a Christian, but I'm not a bad person. I do, I do good things. Uh, and, and some would say, well, you know, I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I'm not like those guys from the South, or, yeah, I'm not like those holy roller people. Yeah, I'm a Christian. And the definition is sometimes difficult for people. Maybe you were baptized as a baby, uh, and so now you're just part of a, part of a church. Maybe you, um, maybe you decide to follow Christ later on in life. Maybe you said a prayer, uh, and then now you are a Christian. Maybe in your, um, in your church, previous church history, you had to take a class, and after that class, you became a, a Christian. But there's all these different things. And maybe for you, you're hearing like, ah, you know what, I don't really like this whole idea of Christian. You might be hearing, it's like, you hate the word Christian and everything that's attached to it. You've been through some bad experiences, or you know people that sound like this. Your definition of Christians is that they're judgmental, um, homophobic moralists who think that they're, they're the only ones going to heaven, and they secretly relish the fact that everyone else is going to hell. And like, yeah, you know, I think I, I, I sometimes you see those guys on TV, and like, oh, you know, yeah, Christian. Oh, I don't know if I want to be associated with that. What I want to talk to you about this morning is none of that, none of what the word Christian uh, that we know it in North America today is defined uh, as anything like that in the Bible at all. Um, if you look at the Bible, some of you are not going to believe what I'm going to tell you today. Some of you are going to think, man, this is like, no way. You're going to go home and grab your Bible and you're like, all right, you're going to see what's, uh, what he's really saying, right? So some of, the things are, some of the things are this. The word Christian, the word Christian, it's in, only in the Bible three times in all of its forms. You're like, what? This book about Christianity? There's only three times that that word is actually used? Did you realize that Jesus never called anyone to become a Christian? Huh. It wasn't used by the followers of Jesus at all. They're never the ones who used the word Christian. It wasn't the people who went to church and who were followers of Jesus. It was actually the people who didn't go to church that used the term Christian. It was actually a derogatory term back in the day. When it first started, it wasn't one of those things you wanted to hear yourself called. You know, think of the worst racial slur you know. And now compare. That was what Christianity was kind of one of those things. You were called like a Christian. It comes from the Greek word, which is Christiano, which is not the Portuguese soccer star, which many of you love. But uh, though, I, though I do remember using this word in, in, in a nasty way every time that Portugal beats Holland. It's like, oh, Cristiano, right? He scores two goals. It's like, oh. Uh, and it was that same kind of thought. There was this negativity around this word Christian. Um, the book of Acts is one of the accounts where the, the, the word Christian, this word Christiano is, is used. So Acts is not really a book. It's like a letter that was written a, a long time ago, kind of like a, a, 
a list of how the church got started. Uh, a guy, we believe Luke's the one who wrote it. And he wrote about this. He wrote that Jesus left and went back to heaven. And he left the, dis- the disciples, his followers, with a couple, a couple things. One command was to wait till they had Holy Spirit on the inside. And then the second command was go make more disciples. Go make more followers. And so uh, when they started doing that in Jerusalem, the other guys got upset about that. And they started persecuting these, these um, followers of Jesus Christ. And so a bunch of them didn't like the persecution. They didn't like being whipped every day or spending nights in prison. So they left Jerusalem. And they went all over the world. Some of them went 800 kilometers away to this little town called, um, or a big city, I guess, called Antioch. And they started telling people there about this man named Jesus. So they went to, to Antioch and they said, we were, were from Jerusalem. And, you know, we saw this guy. His name was Jesus. He would do miracles. He'd heal people. And uh, then he died, but he rose from the dead. He's the only one who's ever done that. And he told us that if we could believe, if we'd believe in him, well, um, we would have eternal life. Our sins would be forgiven. And the people of Antioch, having never heard anything like this, all of a sudden started believing it. And it says multitudes of people started being added to this group of people in Antioch. And, and a church was started there. And that word from that gets back to Jerusalem. And they say, hey, you know what? Peter and Paul and those guys, or Peter and John and a bunch of those guys who were kind of followers of Jesus said, let's send someone to find out what's going on in Antioch. So they sent this guy named um, Barnabas to go and check out what's happening. And this is, this is where the story... Um, jumps in in Acts chapter 11. If you got your Bibles, uh, zip over there really quick, or you can look it up uh, on the screen here. But in verse 25, it says this, Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And so it was that for a whole year, they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples, just remember that word, were first called Christians. They were first called Christians in Antioch. Um, The disciples, they never referred to themselves as Christians. If they were here today, they would not call themselves Christians. We learn a lot about where this term Christian came from, from some things that are not found in the Bible. Here's a little history lesson for you. Uh, If you, uh, you know, if you paid attention in history class, you may, especially when they're talking about the Roman Empires, you would have heard of a guy named Tacitus. He was a first century historian who died in 117 AD, and he was around at at the time of... um, the Caesars, and his whole deal was that he gathered all kinds of letters and all kinds of reports and records and put it all together about the Caesars of Rome. Uh, there was five that he spent his, his life um, just detailing what their lives were like. And one of those was a Caesar whose name was Nero. You may have heard of Nero. Um, Nero is the guy who... Um, uh, when he took over Rome, he had these great dreams of, of rebuilding it and architecture and everything else. Well, in 64 AD, um, uh, Rome burned to the ground. Most of Rome burned to the ground. They thought that Nero, who was a Caesar, was actually the guy who started the fire. He wasn't the guy who actually lit the match, but the word went around town that he didn't like the way Rome was, so he just decided to burn, burn the whole place. Oh, and they weren't happy about that because they, they bur- he burned down their homes. Their uh, businesses got burned down. And uh, so all of a sudden, this, this, this report goes around Rome that, man, our leader just burned the whole joint down. So now, now what are we going to do? And they started getting angry. So Tacitus wrote this about that, um, that account. He wrote, um, he wrote in, in his book, it's called The Annals, um, uh, chapter 15. But he writes this, consequently, to get rid of the report, and this report was that, that Nero had burned down his own city. It says, Nero fastened the guilt and inflicted the most exquisite tortures on a class hated for their abominations called Christians by the populace. Who called them Christians? The populace, the people. They didn't call themselves Christians, but it says something about them. They were hated. 
Tacitus writes about these Christians as these people that were extremely hated. The term Christian was not a compliment. You didn't want to be known as, as one. Um, Peter later on wrote to the, to the group of people who are now being called Christians, and he wrote this in 1 Peter. He said, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials. And just remember that word fiery trials for a minute. He says, Don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if, it's, as if something strange was happening to you. If you're insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you'll be blessed for the glorious spirit of God rests upon you. But it's no shame to suffer for being a Christian. He says, praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. It's no shame if other people are calling you that and persecuting you for that. He says, at least you, you're getting a chance to bear the name of, uh, of Christ. And, and we know they did suffer. They suffered greatly for being, for being a Christian back then. Um, Tacitus wrote this, uh, about that after Nero had said, hey, he's going to tie the blame to the Christians. They said, um, accordingly, an arrest was first made of all who pleaded guilty. Then upon their information, an immense multitude of them was convicted. Immense multitude. You think about the numbers that are here. Not so much um, were they arrested for the crime of burning the city, but more just as a hatred against mankind. Mockery of every sort was added to their deaths. Covered with the skins of beasts, they were torn by dogs and perished or they were nailed to crosses, or they were doomed to the flames and burnt for this reason, to serve as a nightly illumination when daylight had expired. They tell the stories of Nero taking Christians, these people who um, were followers of Jesus Christ, who they hated and called Christians. And because they burned down the city, he would have parties at night and put them up and hang them up on posts and light them on fire alive to be the lamps uh, for his parties. And you think, if we were all there, like, that is shocking. Like, none of us would be okay with that. We'd be looking at those guys and be like, having great, great compassion for them and cut those, you know, cut them down. Like, don't, don't do something like this. And yet that was common and just normal of the treatment of these people called Christians. And Peter wrote to them, man, if you're being persecuted and going through fiery trials, just know it's because you bear the name of Jesus Christ. And um, he says, you know, th this, this idea of being a Christian wasn't something you wanted to be. I wanted to ask at the beginning, how many of you are Christians? Back then, this idea of Christian um, was something that uh, was, was such a negative thought. You know, the Bible doesn't define the word Christian. It uses it three times, but it tells nothing about it other than that's what they were called. That was the, the thing that they were called. But there is a word in the New Testament, all through the New Testament, that does define that the, the, the followers of Jesus Christ used about themselves and that Jesus used about them. And it's this word, disciple. The word disciple... See, the scary part about the word disciple is that it's really clearly defined. It's used 269 times in the New Testament. And there's this other word called follower that's um, the same idea. And it's used hundreds of times as well. So there's multiple, multiple uses of this other word called disciple. And um, the, the idea behind that is that Christian, the word Christian, it's, it's never been clearly defined. So if you could, everyone here could say, I'm a Christian, but we don't really know who is. See, there's Christians on all three sides of the political agenda. There's Christians who are voting liberal. There's Christians who are voting conservative. There's Christians who vote NDP. And uh, they're all against each other, but they're Christians on all sides. There's Christians on, every, uh, on both sides of religious um, you know, debates. And it's the reason why we have so many different churches is because Christians couldn't, couldn't agree on things. We do all kinds of things in the name of Christianity. People have gone to war in the name of Christianity. When Jesus was clear about teaching these ideas of, you know, you know, turning the other cheek and this, this, this not, it was and with Peter. He says, hey, put the sword away, Peter. We don't, this is not how this thing works. Yet we'll go into, have gone to war in the name of Christianity. You can use Christianity to pick up chicks. 
And some of you are like, what? How does that fit? People use Christianity for that all the time. We had one uh, young fella come to our door a while back and ask us for some ideas on, on pickup lines because he had this girl he was interested in and wanted to, um, wanted to know how he could seal the deal. And so Beth and I were sitting there and we we're thinking and we started going, she went on Pinterest and we started saying, well, here, try some of these. Like, you know, hey, I, I've lost my number. Can I have yours? You know, or I'm not a photographer, but I can picture you and me together, right? Uh, you know, um, my favorite is this, you know, I love you like a pig loves not being bacon. Um, uh, and one of the most successful pickup lines ever is this, simply this one. Yeah, I'm a Christian. See, I've talked to so many people who at the end of relationships where they're just broken, they were like, you know, the guy turned out to be nothing like they expected. Like, he said he was a Christian. She said she was a Christian how could she have possibly have done this to me? She was a Christian. They found them on Christian Mingle. How come it didn't work out? Let me tell you this. The word Christian is so undefined in our culture that I want to encourage you to say, you know what, rather than just being Christian, maybe I need to look at what Jesus was actually talking about and it was this word disciple. We're not going to change and say, hey, from now on, we're not Christians anymore. We're disciples. That's not the idea. The idea is to look at what did Jesus actually call us to be. Acts chapter 11, verse 26, the end of that was this, that he said the disciples, who actually called themselves disciples, they were, they were the ones who were called Christians in Antioch. That word disciple is, means a learner, a pupil, an apprentice. It means someone who looks to someone else for direction in their life. It's this idea of saying, you know what? I'm going through this situation, what would you do? Okay, that's how I'm going to handle it. That's how I'm going to do it. Um, you know, I'm dealing with this in my relationship. What would you do? Okay, that's what I'm going to do. And it's this idea of saying, you know what? I'm looking for direction. I've got questions. I, I want things. But just so you know that my answer is going to be yes, no matter what you say. So God, if you tell me that I need to give, you know, my car away to so-and-so, okay, yes, because I'm your, I'm your follower. I'm your disciple. Whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it as a yes. And the Bible's full of things where he's told us what to do. As a disciple, our answer is yes. So the big question for us today is this. Are, are we disciples or are we just Christians? Are you a disciple? Am I a disciple or am I just Christian? Math, uh, Mark chapter 8 you see where Jesus called people to follow him and he never called them to be Christians. It says this then in verse 34, then calling the crowd, he called the crowd to join his disciples. He said, if any of you wants to be my follower, which is disciple, is another translation for that. If you want to be my disciple, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross and follow me. Um, Jesus defined what disciples looked really clearly. He said, you know, he was always, when he was talking to the crowd, he was looking for individuals. Same today. He's, he's this, as it's being spoken to a number of people, he's looking for the one who says, yeah, I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I don't want to be just Christian. Um, and this, there's places where Jesus defined what disciples were all about, and that's what this whole series is about. What does a disciple actually look like? Here, I want to give you one before we're, we're done this morning, and it's found in the book of John. Jesus is, it's the last night before he's going to be betrayed, last night before he's going to be crucified, and he's sitting there with his, his 11 disciples. Judas has already left, and um, so he says to the guys, hey, fellas, come on. Come on, come, come in close. I, I got to tell you something. And he says, and, and um, he says, this is like the really big idea. Everything we've done for the last three years, it comes down to this. This is what it's all going to be about from here on in. So in John chapter 13, verse 33, he says, Dear children, I'm only going to be with you a little longer. 
As I told the Jewish leaders, you're going to search for me, but you can't come where I'm going. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. So Jesus says, you know, you're thinking, man, he's going to give us something, some real big brand new thing. And maybe today you're like, yeah, I already knew this. I already heard this before. You know, I learned this in, in uh, VBS, right? Or, or in, in kids' church that, that people, they're going to know we are Christians by our love, by our love. That, uh, that, that idea. But Jesus said it to this. He's like, guys, I want you. I want you to love one another the way that I love you. Not just love each other. Love each other the way that I have loved you. And it's probably saying, hey, you know, remember Matthew? Matthew's at the table. He's like, Matthew, do you remember when, when we found Matthew? He says to the other guys, remember when we met Matthew? What was Matthew doing? And the other guys are like, Peter's like, oh, he's a tax collector. He's a traitor. And, and, and you're like, yep. And what did we do? You invite him into our group. Yep, we did. And what did we do? Then we went to his house for dinner. We had to hang out with his friends and all the people my mama told me never to hang out with. You took us to their house and made us hang out with them and eat with them. And he's like, and you're right. And Matthew's still with us. And we loved him the whole time. Remember that? He's like, yeah. So I want you guys to love Matthew like I loved him. Then he probably talks about Nathaniel. Remember when we found Nathaniel? Remember when Philip went to talk to Nathaniel? Nathaniel was sitting under a tree and Philip runs up to him and says, Nathaniel, you got to come. We found like the Messiah. He's, a, he, he's this man, his name's Jesus. He's from Nazareth. He's changing everything. He's got, you know, the, the truth. And come follow, follow him. And what does Nathaniel say? Nathaniel says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Jesus is saying you know, things like, hey, guys, remember Nathaniel? Like, Nathaniel, you dissed my whole family the first time I met you, right? And what did I do? Made him part of our group took him along and said, hey, you know what? We're going to love this guy and go on from here together. He says, that's how I want you guys to love each other. I want you to love like that. Not, um, not, uh, not just love, but love like I've loved. And he says, and this, the way you love each other, that's going to show the world that you're my disciples. Not how you preach, not how you pray, not what you do this idea of loving one another, they're going to see it and they're going to know. They're going to they're realize it. And uh, he's not even talking just about loving the world. He's just saying just the people who call themselves followers of Jesus, that they would love one another with this, with this incredible kind of love. We see that in the commandments um, that Jesus gave. He said the two greatest commandments are love God with all your heart. And who? Love everyone else. Love people. Really love them. Show love to them. And then after this lesson, you see in the next very, very next verse, in um, John 13, verse 36, Peter says to him, Lord, where are you going? And she's like, just wait, what, wait a second. I just had the greatest lesson ever. And all you want to know is, where am I going? Peter, he says, it doesn't matter. And Peter's like, God, I, Jesus, I want, to, I want to go where you're going. Why are you leaving? We, we stick together. I'm going with you. I'm willing to die for you. And Jesus says to Peter, Peter, listen, you know what? You're, in, in a couple hours, some middle school girl is going to intimidate you into telling, telling everyone you don't, you don't even know me. You know, he's like, I don't want you to go with me. I don't want you to die with me. I want you to do something a whole lot more difficult. And that is this. I want you to love these guys in this room just the same way that I've loved them. That's what I want you to do. I don't, I don't want you to go and try and do these big, big exploits. I just want you to love one another. Can you imagine what our world would be like if the followers of Jesus had gotten that one thing right from then till now? Do you realize that World War I probably wouldn't have happened? If we got that right, 
Do you realize that World War II never would have happened if we had gotten that right? We probably wouldn't have slavery in our world anymore. Probably no thoughts of racism in our world anymore if we had gotten that one thing right. We wouldn't, definitely wouldn't have hundreds of denominations in our country <laughs> that call themselves Christian that can't stand each other if we had gotten that one thing right. Not all the commandments, just that one. Just this one that Jesus said, guys, this is what it's all about. Can you imagine the influence we could have on the world if we started doing that now? Just think about that for one second. If we just decided, if people said, you know what, I'm not just going to be Christian. As a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm going to do what he said. I'm going to love the people that are also followers of Jesus Christ. You're like, that's impossible. It's not really because as a follower of Jesus Christ, the Bible says in Romans chapter 5 that he's already put his love in your heart. His kind of love's already there. It's just you sharing it with others. It's the idea of saying, you know what? I'm a disciple. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, so I'm going to do what he's told me to do, and I'm going to love. I'm going to love people, and the world will be drawn to that kind of love. You know, they might come around and say, well, they might look in and be like, yeah, you know what? I'm not sure if I'm ready to believe everything those people in Kingsway believe, but man, the way they love each other, the way they treat one another, the way that guy treats his wife, I sure hope my, my, um, my daughter finds a guy like that Who's just going to treat, treat her like that? Maybe it's going to be the ideas of, you know, the, the, the way we um, live and love, the honesty and, and realizing that we can be open with one another. Like, wow, you know, I, I could really use friends like that. I don't know if I can believe everything they, they believe, but man, the way they love each other, it's just crazy. When someone's sick, they're giving them meals like all the time. When somebody runs into hard times, they're handing them money and checks and making sure that they're, they, these, there's something about these people that I, I want more of. I want to leave you with these two thoughts, two challenges. Number one is this. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've called yourself a Christian for up to this point, but now you say, you know what? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a disciple. I'm one of those people who actually wants to do what Jesus wants. I want you to try it this week. I just want you just for one week to say, okay, I'm going to love the people that I do life with. And some of you are like, wait a second, wait a second. You don't understand. My wife, she's a wreck. You know, or my husband, he's a mess. My teenagers, they're teenagers. You know, like, you don't know what I live with. Uh, this is going to be much more difficult than just, hey, go, go and, uh, and just love um, people. It's just not going to, you know, it doesn't work that way. I just want to encourage you that, you know, Jesus was surrounded with guys like Peter who didn't seem to get it. You know, maybe you're the only sane or level person in your whole group of people. But I want to encourage you that Jesus never let that be an excuse. He just simply continued to love them. Somebody last night shared their thought that Judas, he just loved Judas, even though Judas was, you know, going to betray him. He simply loved him. Um, and, you know, I want to encourage you with that. Just to say, okay, this week, by God's grace with, and, and the best of my ability, I'm just going to love, show love. Instead of whatever, you know, I'm not going to let them determine my feelings. I'm, I'm on purpose going to show love to them. And you're like, you know, for some of you, I, I can say it's not all going to work out. You know, Jesus got crucified when he decided he was going to live like this. It may not go well for you. You might not be coming back next week and go, okay, Mark, I did it. I, I show love to my wife for seven straight days and she's a new woman, right? Like it's, that's, that, that may not be the case. But it's not this idea of being a means to an end. It's the idea of we're just following Jesus. It's saying I'm not going to just be Christian. It's way bigger than that, way better than that, saying I just want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And if he's called me as his follower to love, then that's the reason I'm going to do it is just to love. Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. 
you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, maybe you know, you're just here with some friends and you thought, hey, I'll, I'll go. Maybe you hang out here lots and you just have never ever actually decided to follow Jesus Christ. You're kind of just happy with, okay, I'm, I'm Christian. I'm, I'm good with being called a, a Christian. I hope we'll go to heaven one day. Um, maybe you were done wrong by Christians. Maybe churches burned you. And maybe you just really don't have any use for this stuff called Christianity. Um, I think that if I was in your shoes and had all that stuff happen to me, I probably would feel the same way as you. So don't, we don't hold that against you at all. But my encouragement to you today is that in all of the negative experiences that you might have had with Christianity, my hope is that you don't miss Jesus Christ. That you don't miss Him in that uh, we kind of all have a common ground. There's a part you know, in every one of us, and when we hate something about someone else, that they, you know, that they were hypocrites, or they didn't live up to, uh, to our standards, it says something about us, because we all have had this spot where we haven't lived up, not only to God's standards, we haven't lived up to our own standards. Some of us, we've got standards we didn't live up to ourselves. We aren't even consistent with what we believe about things. And we've got to do something with that. We've got to do something with the, the sin. We've got to do something with the separation from God. We've got to do something with our screw-ups. And I want to encourage you that every one of us has an opportunity to do something about that. For those of you who are followers of Jesus Christ, you, you know what that is. Today we're going to celebrate communion. Uh, and as we do that, uh, I want to encourage you with this thought. Jesus called out to the crowds that day and said to the crowds, he said, listen, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to become my follower, then come and follow after me. You can you can come and follow after me. So today, the same thought is for you. To the crowd, the same word is to the individuals here. You can come and follow after me. Why? Because he made it possible. Jesus realized that each and every one of us was going to need a Savior. We were going to need someone who was going to go and, and um, make all of our messes right. That he'd take the sins that we committed, the things that we've done wrong, that he would pay the price for those uh, for us and before God. That's what he did. 2,000 years ago, that's what he did when he came to die on the cross. And when he said, hey, come follow after me, he said there was three things in that. All it was was this. Turn from the way that you're living. Don't just live for you anymore. A disciple doesn't go, hey, what's the best for me? That's what I'm going to do. The, but a disciple says, hey, God, what do you want me to do? What's best for you? That's what I'm going to do. It says turns from their own way of living. It says takes up their own cross, which is the, the realization of I don't live my life for me anymore. My life is it's his. He paid for it. It's his. And then the third part is that he says, and come follow me. Come be a follower. So my encouragement to you this morning is, is this. Are you happy with being just a Christian? Or are you challenged to be a disciple? That we would take these things uh, in our lives that one step deeper. And for maybe some of you today, that's the very first step. And ask our um, ushers to hand out the emblems this morning. Um, just the bread and the, the wine. Come on up to the front, fellas. Thank you. As they're doing that, um, Jesus, with his disciples that night, he did this. Thanks. He took, um, he took something normal. He took what they were having for dinner that night, and he used it to share something, um, something spiritual. He just said, hey, there's this, the, the bread that I've, that's, uh, you guys are eating. He says, I want you to eat this normal bread with a whole different kind of thought in mind. He says, as my disciples, I don't want you to forget what I'm about to do. 
And it wasn't just for those guys. Because I think that as the, you know, the original disciples, I don't think they were going to forget too quickly as they watched their friend being crucified on a cross right in front of them. I don't think they're going to ever forget that. But Jesus didn't say it was just for them. It was for any who would become followers after him from then on till now. To this day, where we find followers of Jesus Christ in a little building in, in Balmoral, Ontario, who said, you know what, we're, yeah, I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. He said, I want you guys to take bread, normal bread, but remember this. This bread represents my body that was broken for you. For you. I want you to think about that. When Jesus died on the cross, it was for you. It was for Larry. It was for Fenna. It was for Deanna. It was for Janelle. It was for Carol. It was for Levi. Trey. So often we want to think, oh, he died for the world. It's way more personal than that. We think as being Christians, it's just, you know, it's a whole group of people. It's way more personal than that. The God of the universe is, is interested in that relationship one-on-one -on -one with you. This is what he said is proof of that, that I gave my body to be broken for you. He said to do this in remembrance of me. Just do this and remember what I've done. Because you know what, as we sit down, as we slow down, as we start thinking about what he's done for us, doesn't it just like invigorate you on the inside again to say, wow, thank you, God, that you loved me. It doesn't matter if everyone else hates me. You love me that much. Then he took this cup of just normal drink that they had that, uh, at that time. He says, you know, this is something just normal. But he says, I want you to do this. And when you drink from this, I want you to remember something. I want you to remember that the deal is changed from here on in. That life's going to be completely different because of this. Back then, they had to kill animals every time that they... It, it, once a year to make sure that their sins before God were washed away. That was the only, kind of the only way things were. And he said, that deal just doesn't work. So he, he says, nobody's able to live out this life. Nobody's able to become better people. So he said, you know what? I'm going to give my life. I'm going to shed every, every drop of my blood, but I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this so that your sins are completely washed away. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you don't have any sins anymore that you need to feel guilty for. He washes all that away. He calls you his child. He calls you holy. He calls you righteous. He calls you forgiven. And he calls, he calls you that. So many times we, um, we just look at us again and we keep looking at us and like how I'm not measuring up, how I've messed up, how I've screwed up. He said, when you became a follower, <laughs> you left your life behind and he says, I took care of that. So this morning, as we, as we take these two things, I, wonder, I want you to remember that. I want you to just take a, a minute or so to think about that. We started it this, today as well. What does he mean to me? We started that with worship. Who is he to me? You heard across the row something different. Why? Because it's personal. Who is he to you this week? To take the chance to realize that Jesus gave his life, hung on a cross, and it was for you. I want you just in your own way today just to thank him as you, uh, as you take the bread, and uh, we'll do that together. Jesus, thank you for going through incredible pain that I could be healed. Thank you for never giving up so that I have a chance.
for taking sorrow so that I may have joy. Thank you for giving your life so I may have life. He took the cup. He said, do this in remembrance of me. This is a sign that it's all been paid for. It's all been done. You are washed clean. So today, Jesus, as your followers, pray, Holy Spirit, that you would continue to just uh, inspire us from the inside, draw us from the inside to live this life as followers. That maybe we would redefine the way Christian is seen in this area. People would look at our lives and just see just incredible love for one another and for you. May that shine bright this week in, in our jobs, in our homes, with our families, with our friends. And may you get glory out of it. May people see that and just look to you and say, wow, there must be a God. Thank you for that this morning. Thank you for your incredible love. Thanks for putting this family together that we have a chance to be a part of. It's in your amazing, awesome name.